Morning, Church. My name is Jacob. I lead the campus ministry here at Every Nation Vancouver. Thanks so much for having us join you this morning. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're excited for what God has for us. Um, I just want to share with you guys a little bit uh, of what God's been teaching me about faith, specifically from 2 Corinthians 5 to 7, uh, 5 verse 7. We live by faith and not by sight. And so I want to share two things that God's been putting on my heart about that, and then one thing that I think God has for us uh, as a family this morning. Um, so before we jump into that, let's just pray. Uh, God, thank you that you are present, that you are with us. Wherever we are right now, uh, you are with us and you speak to us. And we can be in a uh, holy anticipation for your presence uh, with us this morning for you to speak to us. And uh, we are so thankful to be with you. And yeah, would you open our eyes uh, to see you, that we would be able to live by faith and not by sight. Amen. The first thing that I believe God is sharing, has shared with me, that I want to share with us, is that living by faith means believing for the miracle. And sometimes I think that we don't want to dream or we don't want to believe in the promise that God has spoken over us because it's scary, because it doesn't look like it's possible, because I don't want to risk being disappointed and what does that mean? But God invites us to believe in the miracle, to live by faith by believing in the miracle. And uh, I want to read Hebrews 11. Uh, some call it the hall of faith. Uh, but Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. And then it goes through and, you know, you've got Abel and Enoch and Noah. But I want to pick up in Abraham uh, in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, and like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made that promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And so in Genesis 17, God makes his promise to Abraham and Abraham lives differently because he believes in that promise. And uh, Paul describes this in Romans 4. Uh, 18, he says, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, he saw that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And so the first point is, faith is daring to hope that God will do what he has promised. And that last line, that we, we would move forward being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. Not faith in the promise itself, but faith that God has the power to do what he has promised. And we are going to dare to live that way. 
The second thing that God's been teaching me is something that I'm still just barely beginning to grasp. Uh, but it is that faith is being content in God that leads to obedience. So faith is being fully content, satisfied in God, that then leads to obedience. And so we have faith is believing for the miracle that's out of our control and it's impossible, but we need God. But we're believing for it, hoping for it. And then at the same time, walking in faith is being fully content in God that then allows me to be obediently take step by step. What do I do today to respond in faith? What does it look like to respond today? Uh, but that obedience, I think the faith part there is that in order to be obedient and to follow the Holy Spirit into whatever he has for us today, we actually have to have faith that God satisfies, that he is already with us and already has fulfilled any need and desire, but even before that miracle happens. And I think of David in the Psalms who's saying, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Or uh, in Psalm 27, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of his temple. That there is something, like David was a king, he had lots of land, it was multiplying out, he like pretty much had whatever he wanted. But there's only one thing that he seeks, and that is to like be in the house of the Lord. And so in order to be obedient day by day, our faith needs to look like, God, do I believe that you satisfy, that you are enough, that you are with me and for me, and that you are my joy and my peace, even before that miracle happens, or even before I see that breakthrough. Uh, and so a story of this, uh, I was doing MPD uh, fundraising. So as a campus missionary, we fundraise in the summer. And I uh, and I was going out to uh, have a meeting with a guy. And for that, there's a miracle that I like believing in. There's something that I want. I want, you know, him to be encouraged, refreshed, um, blessed by our conversation. Uh, and then for me, I would love to have partnership that I'm believing for financially and prayer and uh, other things. And um, so I'm believing for this miracle. It's out of my control. Uh, and I'm driving in and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, hey, is there anything that I should, you know, say or, you know, that you want to have happen in this meeting? And the Holy Spirit suggested something, and it was completely ridiculous. And it was, didn't line up at all with the goal that I was hoping for. It was totally going the other way. And I was like, God, that's dumb. There's no way. This isn't, you know, that's not smart. It's not kind. It's not what they train us <laughs> to do. Uh, and God just kind of sits me there, and he asked me, like, uh, do you actually, like, have a preference here? Or do you actually have a certain outcome that you need? And, uh, and I sat there and like, okay, well, at the core of all things, actually, no, like I already have you, you are already with me. And I believe you are my joy. You are my peace. You are my satisfaction and can, and I'm content in you. And so whether this, you know, the miracle happens that I'm hoping for, or it's something else entirely, or it goes really, really poorly. I actually don't need any of those things. Cause I have you and he goes, okay, so are you willing to obey and do the thing that I suggested. I go, yeah, might as well. I mean, I already have you. Let's go do this thing together. Uh, and it actually went really well, which was great. Uh, but the miracle is not that somehow, you know, taking a step of obedience led to the outcome that I was really hoping for. I think faith is, the faith in that moment was, do I believe that God satisfies and that God is enough? And am I content in him and then willing to do whatever he then leads me towards? Um, and I think it's hard for us uh, to 
have both of those ways of living out faith at the same time. It's hard to believe for the miracle uh, and still be content because I want that miracle to happen. If I'm believing for the miracle, then if it doesn't happen, then I'm not content and I'm really confused and I'm discouraged about, you know, who God is and why he even set me up for that failure or something. Um, or if I'm content in Jesus and I know that he satisfies, it's hard to then desire something more. It's hard to allow myself to start believing for something more because then that confuses me. I want to just stay in this place of being content with him. But I think that walking out in faith, living by faith, means actually holding on to both of those things, holding on to a content, I'm just content in Jesus that allows me to obey in the day by day. And I'm also going to believe for this ridiculous thing that's impossible that I have no control over because I, because I think living in that faith, it allows us to enter into all of who God is, that that he actually, you know, I could be living in this, I'm content in Jesus and he's my joy and he satisfies. But he actually is bigger than that. He wants us to know his goodness, that his abundance overflows, that he actually is, has big dreams and he knows the plans he has for us. And he wants us to feel that longing for it, that it's, you know, his kingdom hasn't actually come in the fullness yet. And he wants us to long with him and be with him in desiring that big thing. Uh, or if we're believing for that big thing and, and desiring the miracle, sometimes I want to take over control and I want to make it happen. But he actually goes, no, you actually have me already. We're not waiting for anything before you already have me because I died for you. I died for this so that we're not waiting. You already have me and I am your joy and I am your peace and I am your satisfaction. And I would long to extend my kingdom with you, but I am enough for you already in this moment. And so we get to take a step each day, living by faith, believing that we are content completely in Jesus that helps us be obedient to regardless of what ridiculous thing he might say or really clear and straightforward, simple thing he might say. And we also get to believe with him for the redemption of this world in whatever miraculous way that we would dream for, that we would dare to hope for, that he would promise us, that he would put on our hearts and say, this is what you're going after. And as a church, I believe in this city, we get to walk forward believing for both these things into this next season. So as we move into the fall, I think God wants to open our eyes to not just see what we can see in the physical, but to see through eyes of faith. And uh, I've been thinking about this story. There's a story in 2 Kings uh, 6, um, verse 15, that God keeps bringing to me over the last few months. And uh, in the story, um, Israel is being attacked by Aram, and they keep sending troops to different places to attack Israel, but Elisha, the prophet, is hearing from God where they're going to go, and he keeps sending the Israel Israelite troops there. So the Aram king, he is getting really frustrated. Eventually, he's like, we're just going to go take out Elisha. Uh, and so he sends his whole army, and then uh, start in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the, that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so as we go into the fall, it might not look good 
for us, it looks like the campuses are probably closed, that school's online, um, that it looks like it'll be hard to meet first years. Uh, it looks like students are going to be more isolated and maybe more depressed than ever. Uh, it looks like it'll be hard for us to gather in groups to actually be community. It doesn't look good. And for you, there might be other things that you're thinking of that uh, that you're worried about or that just things don't look good for you or for your family or for your work or for sharing Jesus. And, uh, and that's real. That army is real. Those problems are real. They're there, they're in front of us, and it doesn't look good. Uh, but there are more for us than there are against us. There are more for us than there are for them. And, uh, and so before I close, I just want to pray that God would open our eyes. And so, um, yeah, there, there's probably some things that you've been thinking about over the last month or so in preparation for the fall and for maybe a little more routine in life or whatever this next season looks like. There's some things that maybe have been weighing on you that it's been anxious. I don't know how I'm going to move forward in light of these things. And so I'm just going to invite you to have those things in the forefront of your mind. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to take a moment to listen. And uh, and then I'm going to, to close us. And so, yeah, join me in, uh, in asking God to open our eyes. So uh, come Holy Spirit. Uh, the army in front of us looks big. Uh, but there is more for us than against us. Would you open our eyes so that we can see you? And so I think uh, maybe there's a little glimpse there of God revealing himself as bigger than what's in front of us or than what we can see. Uh, but I invite you to press into more of that as we go into the fall because I think I believe that God really does want to open our eyes so that we really can live lives of faith and not by just what we see in the physical. And uh, and I'm thinking that probably if he does open your eyes, and it'll look something like believing for a miracle. And it'll look something like being fully satisfied and content in Jesus. And, uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited for what this new year will bring. And I'm excited for... Uh, if there is a big challenge, it means God is that much bigger. And I'm excited for what that'll look like uh, in campus ministry. I'm excited for you to share in that as our church. And I'm excited for what that looks like in your life as well and hearing about that at some point. Um, so bless you. God would open your eyes. Uh, thanks. Thanks.